Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. When I get letters from listeners, so much of the time, they're about creativity in some way. People who want to live a creative life and are somehow a little bit stuck, or they have an idea or desire to create something in particular, and they're not sure how to go about it. So I thought I would devote an episode to living a creative life, and I'm going to pull some threads about creative process in general, overcoming fear and paralysis, and generally making your life come alive in the ways that you crave for it too. Something I've learned along the way about living a creative life is that there are seasons and there are unavoidable crevices and parts of the creative process that aren't linear. Manifestation, which I I do believe in, but I have a complicated relationship with, is not a straight line from idea to birth of that idea. I've learned we don't just write it down and describe something with meticulous detail and then it walks in the next day ready to be devoured. I remember being told at one point when I was lonely and single and craving a life partner, somebody said, just write it down. You know, write down what he's going to look like, write down exactly what you want and all the things, attributes he's going to have. Just And then he's just going to walk right in. <laughs> well, I tried that. And let me tell you, it was totally different than that. Life, the universe, the divine, the magic, the mysterious creative sap that holds our destiny together is way more complex and way more brilliant than that. And we're only really seeing a tiny slip of the corner of the page at one time. So despite what the book The Secret told us, the journey has more layers than just believing it to be so and then it is. I do believe that that, that's part of it. But a creative life that fulfills us for a long time has hills and valleys and places that cover us up, places that conceal us just to have the path revealed again. So it's concealment, revelation, concealment, revelation. And it's wild if you really let go and watch the curves in the road. It's wild and it's exhilarating and so often not what you expected. There is a time that you don't want to begin because you don't know what it is yet and you're afraid and you can't quite imagine what it is and you feel like you have too much to decide and too much to master before you begin. And I think this is where the tripwire is. If you, if you don't begin, you won't know what it is that you're creating. There, there are things, there's so many things that are not determined until you start. Things that can only be revealed as you go. So begin. It's messy 
and not articulate and it's hard to describe to anybody else, don't try to do that yet. Don't try to define it yet. Just begin. It's like one of those scratch-off things that you do with a coin. It takes some labor before you know what it is. And something to recognize and even revel in, your growth isn't linear. Your progress isn't predictable or always measurable in the traditional ways you've learned. Collect. The collection phase is kind of my favorite. <laughs> it's, the, it's the messy research time with all the scribbled notes and samples and examples and whims and daydreams and cross-sections and graphs and sparks of light and rabbit holes and crazy imaginative spirals. All of these are collected, not organized yet, but piled together in a jumble of potential and excitement around something. Something that could be. I like this part. I do now. I've learned to like it. I used to be unnerved by the uncertainty of just collecting because I wanted to get to the part where I had more control and where I knew exactly what I was doing. But I don't think we ever really have control. We just have intuition and trust and, and discipline to support the flight of something beautiful. The collecting place is really before the thing is what it is, before the thing is the thing, which is raw and it's effervescent. And I've learned not to rush it. And instead, I try and enjoy the treasure hunt. And some days I feel like absolutely nothing is moving or generating clarity. But then suddenly the sun comes out from behind a cloud and then you know what it is. Or sometimes it's more gradual and, and it's more of a subtle revelation. At some point... The collection of all those notes and sparks of light narrows a little and you can start making parameters. So the formation of, of the idea, the book, the sculpture, the painting, the formation of the business model, the dream, the song, the dance, or whatever it is that you're making, the form becomes this, which also mean it does not become that. It chooses itself into form and has an opinion about what it is. And it has an opinion about what it isn't. The podcast did that. Things That Will Help podcast did that. When I started it, when we were in the, the labor and delivery of it, right at the beginning, Alex and I thought, I think, that I would offer like four or five things that would help in one episode, more like a list and we also thought I would pick somebody to interview each time that specialized or seemed um, naturally representative of the topics I was talking about. That was the initial vision. We found out pretty quickly that most of the time I needed the whole episode to dig into one idea. Otherwise, it felt too choppy and abbreviated. And because this is not a big production with lots of contacts and networks, it's just me and Alex, my list of possible people to source interviews from was pretty small and limiting. 
So I started to mulch the ideas and the content myself, and I found that the project was asking us to be more simple. And so we followed the grain of that. And I think that's such an important part of being inside a creative process and a creative life is to listen to the soul of the thing itself and not just drive your agenda so hard and loud that you can't hear the call. Because so often it's different than you thought and maybe even better than you thought. To be an artist of any kind means you have to respect that things, pieces, ideas, art, all have a soul. And that soul is somewhat separate from you. You get to be invited to participate. You get to be invited to intertwine with that soul if you're lucky. And the muse will visit you and court you and swivel your head around. But you have to respect and listen to the ask. Otherwise, it'll all go dead in the water. At some point, things are going to break. You will break. It will be different than what you expected. And this is a really interesting and, and sometimes heartbreaking intersection. And you'll think that you should give up because you'll, you'll feel like you're in over your head. But that's going to be the beginning. It's the beginning after you've already begun. It's a new beginning. But you had to go through the first part to get to the new beginning. You couldn't have just started there. And during this creative process, this creative life, you are probably going to start to doubt yourself. And others are going to doubt you at some point or both. Learn to discern whether you should evolve and redecorate your idea or simply dig down and persevere because doubt is sometimes a trick candle. I recorded an episode a while back about a man who lost his arm and his leg in a terrible accident, motorcycle accident. And then he went on to sail around the world and became the first double amputee to do this alone His life in the form that it is now wouldn't exist in his case without that literal breaking of his body and that accident. And I think he would say, I know he would say, because I've heard him say it in his writings, that he's living his best life. There's this beautiful image in yoga of Ganesh, who you often see depicted as having one of his tusks broken. And he actually breaks off his own tusk to eventually write his story, his own story. So in other words, often when we are broken open, when we are redirected and crushed in some profound way, that is when we become the author of our own story. And I I just love this idea and this imagery. I think for me, that breaking came early on in my 20s when Benjamin died. I'm not sure that I would have become a writer otherwise. I might have, but I know that that was the impetus and it started the urge for me to put some of that sorrow into a form that that was cathartic. That tragic break was kind of like an entry point into me becoming the author of my own story. There are so 
many creative lives that are built this way. And it wasn't mapped out. They had to begin and then consciously collect. And at some point along the way, they had to break in order to become the visionary. And I will say too, that there's certainly no guarantee that you're going to only break once. There's probably going to be multiple times and multiple things that roll you over in the course of your lifetime. And all of those things will contribute to your masterpiece, which is your life. Your creative life will have a million deaths and a million births. And sometimes they will be unexpected and and wildly unwelcome. But each one participates in you becoming the youest version of yourself. I once made a dance with three women and there was a kitchen table on the stage. And I asked at the beginning of the the rehearsal process, I asked these women about their families. And we talked about the gestures that they could remember about people that they grew up around. And the first handful of rehearsals was devoted to us sitting around and telling family stories. And we were collecting the research for the seed movement phrases. And the movement that we made, all of us together, was based on familial hand and body gestures that were rooted inside of their memory. What did Papa do with his hands when he was angry? What did he do when he was happy? My mother and her walking in the halls of the house when something was wrong, up and down the halls. How did my brother's body react when he was scared? What did he do with his hands and his arms? All of these kinds of questions informed the dance that we made. And we started with with those. We started with the other people's gestures. And then at a certain point in the process, in the creative process, it evolved. And the dance ultimately at the end kind of crashed through to become something other than a reiteration of history. So the dancers took historical movement from their family and then they evolved it into their own expression. And around that kitchen table, something new was created from something old. And I chose the kitchen scene because so much happens in the kitchen. So much happens there in terms of most of our families. That evolution, that taking it into our own hands is so important to do. That's part of the breaking we do. We have to break what we've always known, what was presented to us as correct And we have to reform it, redecorate it, and make it something more conscious and palatable to us and to our lives now. And no matter how lovely our our parents and grandparents were and are, some of the things they gave us desire to be broken and reconfigured. And I, I hope for the time when my own kids will do this. And the way that I parent them now is setting them up for that breaking and that evolution, which I know means not regurgitating what I've given to them as wisdom. It happens hopefully forward and it happens backwards too in the ancestral line, hopefully, hopefully. 
And that's what it, that's part of what mean it means to live. That's part of what it means to live a creative life, to honor that things must change. And then not only honor that, but hope that they do. Jumping back to the collection phase of creation, I do read a lot of books and three of my favorite about the creative process are Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, and The Creative Habit by Twyla Tharp. And the first two focus more on writing, but I think any creative process or just wanting to live an authentic and creative life is applicable. And the last one, uh, The Creative Habit, focuses on dance and choreography. But again, it spans any creative endeavor, I think. Matt loved that book in particular because he was reading it through the lens of music and songwriting. So those are some great ones to pick up. And (laughs) there also comes a time when you have to put down the books and you have to put down other people's wisdom, not put down, but place aside. And you have to begin your own excavation because sometimes these types of tools, however great they are, can become distracting and stop your growth because they keep you from beginning sometimes at a certain point. You can only read about someone else's life and art for so long before it becomes paralysis and before it stops you from carrying out your own vision and your own bravery quest. The last lily pad I want to take us to is the responsibility to create. All of us have a medicine to bring in, a place reserved only for our medicine that the world needs. I believe that there is a blank space for you to inhabit that will be in service in a way that nothing else or no one else can offer. Isn't that glorious to think about? And it also feels like a little bit of pressure. Which is good, I think, because this life, this masterpiece we are creating from moment to moment does have an ask, an ask that we lean in, that we listen to the soul of things, and that we contribute in some way, in some individual, profound way, and that we show up fully for the creative cycle in whatever order it comes. I used to think there was an order it followed. But I don't believe that anymore. The soul jumps around, so we are required to pay attention. Begin, collect, create, break, birth, death, evolve. All of those things. So happy creation of whatever you are in the throes of. And don't overlook that even just like making a simple meal for yourself makes you an artist. I really started looking at everything that way. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you would like to become a patron of this podcast, please see the show notes. There's the information there to do that. And it would mean so much to me. 